welcome to the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast, where each episode we take a look at a brand new first issue comic book, break down the story and art, give it a review, and tell you if we think that you should move on to issue number two. This is episode number seven. I'm Dan. I'm here with Bob. Say hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. We're going to talk about this comic, which today is... Superman number one from DC Comics. Superman number one. How often do you get to say that? Not often at all. <laughs> Not very often. Doesn't happen to... Couldn't think of another word for often. We but. won't be doing that with Action <laughs> Comics anytime soon. God, no. They're, they're up there in numbers. We're also going to talk a little bit of comic book and related media news, as well as tell you guys what's new at comic book shops this week and next week. And we'll be right back after this quick break. We are back with news. That, look, I say this every time. I'm starting to sound like a broken record. Actually, I take that back. When we first started this thing, Bob, there was comic book news galore. Every single week, comic news is dropping left and right. Then James Gunn hit us with that giant DC slate. And since then, it's been so insanely slow. There hasn't been much news out there. I have a couple of things. Nothing earth-shattering, but... I can't believe he actually found stuff. Uh, well, it's, it's very few and far between, but... Of course, uh, Vault of Spiders number one is seeing some heat right now due to the announcement of the Funko Pop for Spider Bite. Don't know if you saw that out there. I did. I don't the, know anything about the characters. <laughs> well, so. the design looks great. I'll give it that. The design looks really, really cool. I'm stoked to see Spider Bite in uh, what? What are we? What is this installment of Across the Spider Verse going to be called? Into this multi spider across the spider spider across verses of spiders. <laughs> I do um, like the design for. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man India. Oh, yeah. You didn't or you did? I did. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, yes, likewise. Yeah, very good design. Um, some really cool designs in that book. Either way, a great book to pick up. It's got a few number ones, or sorry, first appearances in it. I can't think of all of them. I think we have like a Wild Wild West, Spider-Man, and a Spider-Bite, and a couple of other people. But it's it's really cool. I'm, I'm excited that seeing some heat. Also, we talked, this came at the very end of last week. I think right after we recorded our episode, so... Um, this is maybe a little bit of old news now, but Seth MacFarlane has announced a new TV series called The Shrouded College, which will include the adaptation of the new comic book. It's like a brand new comic book that's maybe got like, what, three issues out or something? Hell to pay? Um, I was I was kind of looking into that and wondering why it was going to be called The Shrouded College and, and how Hell to Pay was going to be included and everything. And then I remembered when I read Hell to Pay issue number one. It's something about the Shrouded College. So I think they're just taking that because obviously you can't really call like a show Hell to Pay. doesn't really work on probably Fox or whatever network it's going to be on. Vice so. TV. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> is, is that where that's going? Don't scare me. I mean, <laughs> we, you got Netflix. We going to Quibi? Come on. <laughs> they got Netflix where you don't care what they call the show. Uh, true, true. That's that's also true. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this one. I, I remember reading that first issue and it was cool. As, as noted before, not the biggest Seth MacFarlane fan. You kind of like some Seth MacFarlane stuff. So, I do. Um, but you haven't read Hell to Pay. So. I, what is it about? <laughs> I, I don't know. A couple. I, I don't remember something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> something with coins. Uh, like all these coin books that are coming out. Something to do with coins. I, I don't remember exactly. But I, I remember the promo promotional material came with some like limited edition coins. Something to do with coins. Hell, coins, paying hell, Shrouded College, I don't know, Seth MacFarlane, something Something else. that got you interested <laughs> in actually buying the comic. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a fun issue. Um, 
there's also an announcement of a Hellboy reboot currently in production with director Brian Taylor attached. Um, you're familiar with Brian Taylor. He did Crank. He did uh, Gamer. He did the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance sequel. Uh, so, mm. thoughts? Hellboy? Uh, are you ready to see another Hellboy? I, I don't know. Uh, do you care? I, uh, you know, I am because just from what I've, I've never read any of the comics. So let me, let me preface by saying that. Wow. I've never read any of the comics. I okay. only know him from the movies Ron Perlman and mm-hmm. David Harbour and I mean Ron Perlman was a perfect choice for her sure and I mean it all depends on who they get for the actor yeah Hellboy definitely depends on on who's under the costume there I think that it's really interesting that we've already seen two different incarnations of Hellboy and now we're gonna see a different one it's not like the hugest character I could I, I would think of you would think you would see more like Spawn adaptations or something than Hellboy. Hellboy's like still I mean known, but, but we, a little we more are still getting that movie at some point. That's what they say. I, I don't know. I, I'll believe it when I see <laughs> it. I guess. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and the last little bit of news, which was actually kind of big news that you and I just kind of spoke about. Marvel's bringing back the Ultimate Universe. Um, they're doing Ultimate Invasion beginning in June. Thoughts? What uh, you you gave me some details. The maker is is the uh, yeah. The maker is supposed to be the main villain, mm-hmm. and I really like the character of the maker. I mean, it's uh, what if Reed Richards, you know, went to the dark side? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it's just you know Reed Richards' intelligence being one of the smartest men in the MCU yes. with no moral compass. <laughs> Really cool concept. Yeah, I really like the character a lot. I'm excited that the Ultimate Universe is coming back in some form or another. I don't know. I, we didn't get much details if it was going to be like a mini series or, or something like that. But Just don't make it very convoluted <laughs> like you did the original Ultimate Universe. Well, yeah. I mean, that was an entire spanning universe, though. So, I understood. I, I think this will be a little smaller of an imprint, I would imagine. But I guess only time will tell. Yeah, and I get why I get why they, you know, did the whole Ultimate Universe. You mm-hmm. know, so new readers could, you know, catch on right away instead of going through all this yep. history and lore. But towards the end, it just started, <laughs> it just started spreading out too much, and it just by doing that, it spread itself too thin, and it just got watered down. Yeah, it definitely did. I remember those coming out. I remember. I I don't know if you were anything like me, but. I I definitely added the uh, Spider-Man to my pool, uh, the Fantastic Four, the regular Ultimate series, and I think a few other. I'm trying to remember what what I recall reading from that Thor, definitely. Uh, yeah, I liked the Ultimate stuff quite a bit, but I think that it fell off around around the time that I was reading like the 30th issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. I think I just kind of backed out, and obviously it went a lo- on a lot longer than You that, know, it, it's funny you mentioned the Ultimates, because the Ultimates is one of the comics that got me back into, <laughs> you know, Dune comics, because, yep. you know, I read them, I had a long break, and yes. then around that 2008-2009 period, mm-hmm. I mean, the Ultimates was recommended by, you know, some friends of mine, and, you know... It, 
again, it was the first comic series I picked up, and it's like, oh, this is good. Yeah, it, it was very good. I remember I kind of had the same thing, and I think that it was a little bit after Ultimates. I can't remember exactly the timeline now, but with the Marvel Max stuff, I think that that really drew me back in, that 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 more hardcore... Uh, Daredevil adult, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jessica Jones, yes. Luke Cage. I loved the Max stuff. The Dead of Night stuff, uh, starring Man-Thing, of course, that stuff was great. I think we only got like a four-part mini out of that, but it was still very cool nonetheless because you have to think for a huge fan of, of Man-Thing like I am, we've got all the original stuff and then it kind of peters out for a while and then really all you get is... I don't know, there's a couple of little mini-series here and there. You have stuff like the stuff written by R.L. Stein. It's, it's bad. I mean, you have to... Objectively, it's bad. Even the the um, the lost scripts that were that were finished um, that later come up were kind of... I don't know, they were kind of weird. Of course, we have that, adapt, that three-part adaptation from the Man-Thing movie. Um, so there's not like a whole lot out there, but the no. Max stuff was really cool. It was really cool. It was very dark. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, the Marvel Max stuff was cool. Let's get that back in the universe. After we're done with the Ultimate Universe, let's do a, a Max tie-in. Please, Marvel, hire me to write books. Thank you. <laughs> I will <laughs> write all day long. I got you covered. Uh, so that's pretty much for our news this week. Again, nothing earth-shattering, but a couple of cool points there. We'll be right back and we're going to talk about some new books that are out this very week. A battle for humanity's future is being waged on American soil right now. The cannabis plant has been used by humans for thousands of years, and yet it is still severely criminalized in much of the world. But the world is changing. In the U.S., 37 states have legalized cannabis for medical purposes, and 18 have done so for recreational use by adults. In Illinois, legalized cannabis has spurred an explosion of new businesses and products, all bringing in a massive stream of newly created revenue that other states are eager to match. Yet federally, cannabis faces much of the same resistance of the 1900s. How did marijuana get such a bad reputation? Why is it still so federally restricted? How are smoking and vaping different? How many edibles are too many? Which companies are coming out with the best new products? And who benefits from keeping Mary Jane in the dark? These are the types of questions we'll attempt to answer on the Cannabis Man podcast. A thorough look at all things cannabis, from its history to its explosion in states that have legalized it. So look out for the Cannabis Man podcast, coming soon wherever you get your podcasts. back to talk about some new books that dropped this very week in local comic book shops. New this week from Dark Horse is a new number one called Blue Book, and it is a story about true stories of UFO encounters, or sorry, stories, true stories of UFO encounters. That one sounds very interesting. I can't wait to read that one. Sounds cool. Look, people are talking about UFOs now. They're talking about aliens. The government's not even denying their existence anymore. So 
makes for a cool sounding true story comic. Oh, the History Channel is, is <laughs> making a killing on all these UFO experts and these these UFO and alien ancient theory shows. So. It was funny because that's all they did before whenever the government still denied their existence. So now I can't even imagine. Well, now that, you know, the government has said, here, here's some information yep. on it. <laughs> Interesting stuff. No, when are you going to bring back the X-Files? <laughs> Once again. Uh, well, good luck, I guess. I'm, I'm sure we'll get like a gritty, like reboot and like, 2030 or something starring like James hopefully Smith it's or better something. than the Netflix show oh god no <laughs> I want it to actually be good <laughs> no thanks from Vault Comics we've got a new number one called Godfell it's about a world where people live in and on a god who fell from the sky kind of something like that again sounds interesting kind of sounds like a book that recently came out a few years ago that now I'm completely blanking on the name. They they only they only find us when they're dead or something like that. You recall this book? There was like a planet of like godheads or something. I, I don't know. Sounds crazy and out there, but could be a good read. From Image, we have another high concept book. This is Local Man number one about Crossjack, who was the member of a superhero team. And now he's just trying to fit into the world that he left behind. Kind of an interesting concept on that one. From DC Comics, Bob, I know you're excited about Batman One Bad Day, Clayface. Mm. <laughs> Did you pick that book up today? Uh, no. No, I didn't either. No. But I, I do want to read it, so I think I'll wait until it hits the dollar. Do we know how many One up. Bad Days they're doing? Oh, God. Everybody's got a bad day with Batman, I guess. Everybody. Are we going to get a Condiment King one? Yeah, you gotta wait. Yeah, until every single Batman villain has been exhausted. That's whenever we will see the end of Batman One Bad Day. We've got to have everybody. Got to have my boy Mister Bloom in there. Everybody deserves. We a shot. won't even remember what a <laughs> podcast is. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Also, we wrap up the event apparently of Lazarus Planet with the Omega. Oh, thank God! One finale, one shot. From Marvel Comics, we've got a facsimile reprint of Amazing Spider-Man 129. Again, people, your best shot at getting an ASM 129 for four or five dollars. It's not going to happen any other way, unless no. you unless you got some money to drop. You might as well pick up this facsimile reprint. Yes. We've got Carnage number ten with I don't know. It's like the first appearance of a sword or a dagger or something. Uh, sure, whatever. The Carnage book has been fun. I don't care. <laughs> Always fun to read. Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man issue number five. It's got a first appearance of I Crystal Katani, I think is what we agreed we're going to pronounce the name as, but as Dream Spider. So again, you want to pick up all these oddball spider first appearances. You never have any idea who's going to drop in the Spider-Verse movies. And they they're still filming. As, <laughs> exactly. They're still making, as far as I know, across the across the Spider Verse. Sure, so, and I, I mean, mean, there's no way we don't get a part three. So yeah, oh, exactly. You, you never know. Dream Spider could be the big one. Pick it up. We've got Immortal X Men number one, part three of the Sins of Sinister. We have Punisher War Journal base one, which I guess has the origin of Punisher's War Journal, and then. One book that is kind of partial to me. I, I don't know if you read Specs from Boom Studios. I had checked out the previous three issues, and I actually really like it a lot. The final issue dropped today, Specs issue number four. I'm excited to read that conclusion and see where that book ended up. A fun book, kind of Twilight zone -y. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun. I like it. 
We'll be right back with our review of Superman number one. We are back for our discussion of Superman number one from DC Comics, written by the great Joshua Williamson and illustrated by Jamal Campbell. Some fantastic creators on this book, by the yes. way. That's just a side note I got to throw out there. They really, really kind of put their A-team on this one, and I do not blame them for that. And if you're a completionist, <laughs> you're going to be spending a lot of money to get the variants because there are a ton of variants. Oh, there's a lot for this one. I even saw somewhere I didn't see with my own eyes, but I heard that there was a one per store or something, thank you variant that, that also came out or something. It wasn't a one per store. It was like... You had to be included in a Q&A with Joshua Williamson oh, wow. like prior to the issue coming out or, or something like that. Sounds cool. I'll never get my hands on one, but that's okay. I've got my regular A cover here, and I'm very happy with it. Some great Jamal Campbell art on the cover of this starring all of the, the characters in the book, So mm -hmm. most of the characters in the book. So I'm excited about that. We're going to get into the synopsis really quick. This is from DC's own site. It's the dawn of DC! Superman has returned to Metropolis, and his greatest enemy, Lex Luthor, is finally behind bars. The future of the Superman family has never been brighter. As Clark Kent settles back into his life, iconic and new enemies erupt from the shadows to strike down the Man of Steel. But waiting in the wings to back up Big Blue is Supercorp? What secret project has Lex given to Superman? A hero is only as good as their villains will be put to the test in this brand new oversized number one featuring comics greatest superhero by DC Comics architect Joshua Williamson and award-winning superstar artist Jamal Campbell. And like I said, they are not lying about these creators here. These guys are like top-notch. They are, they are awesome. Um, it's, it's hard to, it, it's funny because it's hard to even narrow down um, any way to really talk about the creators there. I mean, if you want to go off their projects, books that they have done, it, we'd be sitting here for hours. If I really needed to fill time, I guess I could just name every title that Joshua Williamson has worked on in recent memory. Okay, um, he's worked on a lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot, especially for DC. I will go into a, a synopsis here of uh, from tvtropes.org that says Joshua Williamson is a comic book writer known primarily for his work at Image in DC. Williamson became known for the murder, murder mystery series Nailbiter, which followed a town that was infamous for creating a large number of serial killers. Bob, did you read Nailbiter at all? I did not, honestly. Damn, Nailbiter's a good series. Honestly, <laughs> until you mentioned it right now, I actually had never heard of it. Wow, yeah, Nailbiter is a great, great series. I actually found, when I was digging through dollar bins of all places, um, at, at a comic shop that closed down a few years ago, I found a couple of copies of issue number one signed with a COA from Joshua Williams. And so um, I've got those in my back catalog, which Send is super it to awesome. CBCS. <laughs> I might as well. Uh, okay, so he would also launch the fantasy series Birthright, which took the chosen one kid hero trapped in another world concept and made it darker and edgier. He worked at Marvel for a little bit, but he got his big break when he began working at DC. He's a big fan of The Flash, and he was the main writer on The Flash for almost three years, surpassing the length of the DC rebranding itself. 
During that time, he was also positioned as one of the main architects of the DCU alongside Scott Snyder and Brian Michael Bendis as Jeff John's own role that was consistently overridden and diminished by notorious editor-in-chief Dan Didato. Oh, that's, that's, I like the way they write that. That's, yes. that's nice. <laughs> With the advent of DC Infinite Frontier, William began the Infinite Frontier Saga, a storyline that tackles the various reboots of the DCU directly. He also begins simultaneously writing for a smaller-scale series or smaller-scale series, such as Robin and Deathstroke, Inc., before being put into the main Batman series as the main writer. Again, Joshua Williamson worked on a billion and a half things. Batman, Batman, Superman, Birthright, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, Deathstroke, Inc., Flash, Green Arrow, The Illuminati, Justice League Incarnate, uh, Nailbiter, Robin, Shadow War, and now Superman... Nothing to shake a stick at at all. Well, uh, just based on that <laughs> synopsis, if you named everything he worked on, we'd be here for a while. Yeah, a, a long while. I, uh, again, if we ever need to fill 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 time, that's that's all we got to do. Just go into Joshua Williamson back catalog and and keep him going. Uh, Jamal Campbell is the illustrator on this book, and from Jamal Campbell's League of Comic Geeks uh, site, there's not much written about him other than Jamal Campbell is a Canadian comic book artist. Is really all that it says. Um, of course, Jamal Campbell, awesome artist. Uh, he's he's worked on Power Rangers and Nightwing to to name a couple of things that he's done. And those interiors for for Nightwing, the current Nightwing series, as well as Power Rangers, the Boom Studio stuff from like 2016 to just a couple of years ago. Jamal Campbell, outstanding artist, really really top notch. And I would say, of course, we're going to get into our review of the art and the story and all of that. But uh, DC is ju just like Marvel is, is guilty of like having that house style that really, you know, I don't know. It, I, I don't know how to word it other than just to call it the house Sterilized. style. There. Sure. Um, and it's just I don't love it. I don't love sometimes the background, sometimes the facial expressions and stuff that are used in that DC house style. I honestly see it as a little bit lower than, than what Marvel's house style is. Again, that's just a personal choice, but Jamal Campbell is, is completely breaking the mold here. He is, I don't He's, he's throwing that house style out the window and really running with his own style. Jamal Campbell is really doing some big stuff with this Superman book. Like, they gave him the reins to, to take over a Superman number one, and he was like, fuck you guys, and just ran with it and did an outstanding job. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed with Jamal Campbell's artwork on this book. The second that I opened it, I was just very impressed. Uh, yeah, he did, yeah it's, it's really good art, and yeah, to expand on my sterilized comments, I mean, <laughs> you can definitely tell that this wasn't, I guess you would say, you know, mass produced out of a factory. No, yeah, this is this is done with great care and and some great talent behind it. So, with all that being said, I'm gonna get into the breakdown of this book really quick, and then we're gonna talk about it some. So, the book opens up with a flashback to Clark as a young boy in Ma and Pa Kent's farmhouse, listening to some loud Pete Ross music. Then we get a full page spread of heroic Superman. Um, 
I don't really have much detail on what's going on in that full page spread. It looks like Supes is shielding some uh, a couple from like a missile or something. I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but he's being very heroic in usual Superman fashion. From there, we get a few panels of a battle with Livewire, who's attacking the city. Because of all things, her podcast, Shock Talk, has been pulled from streaming. Bob, this is now the second week in a row that uh, kind of there's a podcast going on in the book. <laughs> so would this be our version of breaking the fourth wall <laughs> yeah. where we're talking about them, what we're talking about on a podcast, <laughs> about the villain being mad because her podcast got canceled? I guess there's only one way to find out. Look, Bob, if we get canceled and you turn into a supervillain, then we'll know why. Um, <laughs> why I can did only you hope cancel not. my podcast? Exactly. <laughs> I was just trying to review some comics, <laughs> man. Come on. Yeah, but super meta, super cool. Um, but yes, uh, Livewire is attacking the city. She was provoked because her podcast, Shock Talk, was pulled from streaming. Then next up, we see Lex Luthor in jail. And Lex Luthor is just being treated like any other criminal in jail, which is odd to see, of course. We flash over to the Daily Planet, and Jimmy Olsen is telling Clark about his new girlfriend. And then we see Lois Lane as editor-in-chief at the Daily Planet. And man, she is a hard-ass. I, I just have to interject <laughs> before we go any further in yes. this review. Please. I just have to talk about the fact that I didn't know he was, but apparently Superman is a justice of the peace. <laughs> because after saving this couple who is apparently engaged and about to get married, mm -hmm. there is a splash page where it shows a bunch of Polaroid pictures. Yes, those still exist. <laughs> of Superman at the wedding, you know, letting somebody win at... Um, you know, a test of strength and, mm -hmm. you know, lifting up the couple and, of course, you know, lifting up the car a la <laughs> Action Comics number one style. Sure. You got to get that homage in there. Then there's one where he's marrying the couple. So, yeah, apparently Superman <laughs> is a justice of the peace. I mean, look, it's it's 2023. What is Superman not at this point? This is true, <laughs> but... He, he just came back from the dead. Well, so. so again, we see Lois Lane as editor-in-chief, and she is hardcore. She's taking this job seriously, and who can blame her? We get a romantic rooftop scene with Clark and Lois. Uh, and, and from there, we're seeing... Sorry, this is kind of an unwritten side note that I have. Of course, Superman is, is trying to block out something. He's listening to loud music. He's being very un-Superman-like. That's not something you normally see. And of course, we keep hearing this voice. So could it be that Superman is trying to drown out that voice? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess so. That's the conclusion I'm going to come up with. And he's interrupted by Lex, LexCorp being turned over to Superman from Mercy who has changed the name to Supercorp. And Mercy Graves explains the details to Superman. And he's having none of this. He declines. And then next up, he's shown this cute cartoon that is very... I don't know. How would you explain this? It's very its very Mr. DNA or whatever from, from Jurassic Park. What's that guy called? Is it Mr. DNA? Um, it, Mr. DNA. Yeah. At, at first, you know, this being a Superman comic, uh -huh. I, at first I was expecting um, 
Mr. And correct correct me on the name, Mr. Mixels. How do you say his name? I don't know. I don't know. I know who you're talking about. But, but yeah, the, ca- the cartoon does look like him mm-hmm. or Batmite. Yeah. Of course, yeah, we it got can't the... be Batmite because, you know, Superman comes. Yeah, not, not in a Superman book. But we got the cutesy little Superman and... Uh, and and that that cartoon is explaining what's what the details are and 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 the cartoon is explaining how this would be good for the citizens of Metropolis and and everything, and as Soup sees that everything has been rebranded in in LexCorp with Superman's logo, um, Mercy then shows Superman a hologram of his father Jarrell, and Superman gets pretty pissed at that point. And he goes to, so. <laughs> yeah, he goes to find Lex Luthor. As he flies, he's interrupted by Parasite attacking a school bus, and Superman kind of knocks him out of the uh, out of the way there. And and then Superman encounters Appa- these creatures. Apparently, Parasite has new powers <laughs> now, where he can make you know multiples of himself. Yeah, because there there's a whole bunch of Parasite, and they're hungry and. They're kind of off in the shadows there, but they look kind of cute, Bob. Aww. I gotta say, I'm not really scared of them. Um, they just, they look cute. And they're not hungry. really until they attach themselves to you and start draining your energy. Well, I mean, I get so it. Cute. They're going to steal Superman's powers and everything, but doesn't he just kind of want to like feed them or something? We could have brought some cookies or, or whatever. They just look at their they're, eyes. Yeah. They're just kind of cute. I don't think they're hungry for that. I mean, uh, that may work. You, you never know until you try it, I guess. Mm, true. <laughs> From there, we're shown Lex kind of giving his explanation of, of why Superman has to, has to come to this conclusion and how he's going to now fight his villains. And then, Bob, I would love it if you would reveal this final page for the listeners. I'm not exactly sure what's going on in this final page. I'm really not. I mean, it just, it just shows, you know, Superman lying on an operating table. You know, you have, um, you know, jars with what I'm assuming are supposed to be Superman's eyeballs and, you know, a couple of his organs, his mm-hmm. hands, you know, probably his heart. But then you wonder to yourself, wait a minute. Superman has indestructible skin. Uh-huh. How could they, you know, do all that stuff? And it may, it, 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 it kind of makes you wonder, is it a robot? Or is it really Superman? That's what I was wondering, too. I'm not exactly sure. And I'm going to feel dumb because, look, I, I've read plenty of Superman comics in my day, but it, it has been a while. I'm not super current. I haven't been reading action either. So maybe there's something I'm missing here. This is cool. This is a creepy final page. It's got Superman with, it looks like his arms ripped off and there's some kind of creature hovering over him, working on him to some extent. So are they Frankensteining a new Superman and building one? Are they tearing this Superman apart? I'm not too sure what's going on here. I don't exactly know, but I really like the way it looks. It ends on this creepy, creepy cliffhanger and it looks super cool. And in the final panel underneath this, it just uh, has Lex, Lex's word balloon uh, that, that Superman is facing his enemies. And then we have a news article that says, Who is Metropolis's new hero? And then we have a picture of Metropolis's new 
quote unquote hero, whoever that is. I, 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 I do have to say I do I do enjoy the um, about the final page and a half mm-hmm. after this, you know, to be continued. But first, where it you know just talks about coming in Superman, and mm-hmm. then you know it starts. Um, you know, getting grainy like somebody's hacking the feed. I do. I, yeah, it's like I do glitchy like that. looking art. Yeah, it, I, looks, I, it looks cool. I do like that, and it does seem going from the last page that you know, Brainiac is gonna mm-hmm. cause some stuff. Yeah. So, so this is cool. This is a, a great kind of wrap up here in this issue. I, I really like the way they did the cliffhanger. It's it's nice. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked on this to tell you the truth. Of course we're gonna get into our review. We just wanted to or, or our discussion. We just kinda wanted to go over the beats of the book, but but Bob, let's go ahead and break it down. Let's talk about these story beats. How did you feel this thing flowed with the with the beats of the story here? I am gonna separate the the way that we originally intended to do it with the story beats, the narrative, the dialogue, and the world building, um, because I think this has a little bit of everything in it, so I think we can do that. But but as far as the story beats, what what were your thoughts on them? To me, I mean, the story beats just flowed freely. I mean, yeah. it went from A to B to C, boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom. So, I mean, it's not like there was a lot of exposition to slow it down sure. or anything like that. So, I mean, it, it just freely flowed. So, I was, you know, I like the story beats. I thought they did a good job on that. Yeah, I like them a lot, too. It has real good vibes for a first issue to bring in new readers and everything, people who aren't too familiar with what's going on. Of course, we would think most people would be pretty familiar with Superman, but but say you're a brand new comic book reader or collector or whatever, and you're picking up this book and this is your first Superman book, this is a great introduction. Um, it doesn't spend too much time on any of the characters here or any backstories, which is fine. I don't think it really needs to. Um, but Not it, by this point in time. Yeah, but, but it does. It, it flows well. I would say my only critique of that was, since I did read the book twice... I think my, uh, on my first uh, reading of the book, I was a little confused with the dialogue that was kind of being, I don't know, uh, transmitted to Superman's head. Yeah, the voice of Lex there. I wasn't really sure what that was going, what they were going for there. If it was just like an internal monologue Superman was having, and of course it's not really. But um, I think that that might have that could have stood to be I don't know defined a little bit better, but. Other than that, I don't really have any complaints. The beats really worked here. And again, the way that they introduce these characters that have been introduced so long ago and it's so ingrained in everybody who reads comic books. We all know who Jimmy Olsen is. We all know all of these people, Lex Luthor, whatever. Um, But the way that they introduce them here, it it works. Even if you don't know that that Jimmy Olsen is, is Superman's pal and all that, you get enough of the feeling from that without them saying it, without them really going into it. Uh, you don't have to spend too much time on who Lois Lane is to Superman to get the feel here. And of course, kind of the same thing with Lex Luthor. And then bringing in some of the villains like Parasite and Livewire. We don't need all of that exposition. They did a good job at just kind of throwing them in, the little bit of, of dialogue that they work through, and then and then it works for us. So The, the, only, the only character... Uh, sorry to cut you off. No, but please. The only character I'm not familiar with, and this could just be... You know, like you, it's been a long while since I've read a Superman <laughs> sure. comic. I'm not familiar with the character, the new chief of Metropolis. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, likewise. The I, very I, dapper guy <laughs> in the vest with the, you know, awesome mutton chops. Yeah, I would assume if we were reading action, I, there's probably something in there. Yeah, with probably. Him, or maybe even, uh, what's, what's that book with... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe action. Who knows? So, yeah, if any of our listeners know anything about that, please don't hesitate to, uh, don't hesitate to correct us on that. <laughs> yeah, let us know, because the chances that we're going to be able to go back and read, I don't know, something thousands of issues of Superman to get the story there is, is pretty slim. So, um, yeah, I, I agree, though. The, the beats work perfectly here. Uh, Williamson really is kind of a master at this, and I think at this point... He's so familiar with the DC universe, of course. We talked about that in his history and everything. He must know these characters inside and out. He knows yes. what's going on. It's like he's a resident of Metropolis, but um, he, it it does seem it does seem like it. Yeah, it seems well lived, and he he knows what he's going for, and he knows what he's doing. So, so he's he's a pretty masterful storyteller and, and the perfect person for this book. Uh, let's talk about the narrative, Sam. Uh, the the narrative of of this issue again. I wanted to separate it from the beats this time just because I feel like there is a little bit of a distinction there. Mm -hmm. But the narrative of this story, the way that 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 the story is narrated through through kind of the actions and artwork of what's going on around them and everything. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, I, again, am just going to praise it, really. That's all I can really say. It's It's done really wonderfully here. This is kind of like almost a master class in what you're looking for in a first issue of an established character, in my opinion. So it, it just works very well. It is. And, you know, I was like you. I was a little confused mm -hmm. about the voice Superman, you know, kept hearing. Uh -huh. You know, it took me a while to figure out, okay, that's, you know, that's not, you know, him, you know, doing narrating or anything. Mm -hmm. But, you know, fortunately, in the narrative... Superman actually explains, you know, what it is. Yep. He's, he actually says, since he's gotten back, you know, he's heard people, he's been able to hear the world more, mm -hmm. and he uses the music to drown out that voice, which we, you know, learn then is Luther talking to Yeah, him. and and I honestly kind of like that, like, I think that at first it bothered me a little bit because I, like you, was just the, why the hell is Superman wearing headphones? It's, that's odd of him. That's out of character. It was. But, but I like, uh, of course, you know, to be able to write Superman well, you have to give him some kind of weakness because, as we all know, Superman is viewed as like the invincible, you know, how do you write this character? It's got to it's gotta be very hard. It's got to be much harder than writing a character like Spider-Man or, or even Batman or somebody because he's the golden boy, he's the boy scout and he's invincible and, and whatever, like what hurts Superman. But if you give him this little bit of, of something, you know, he can't drown out these voices or, or whatever. Um, I, I feel like that gives him, I don't know, maybe not quite a weakness, but it gives us something to play on. It gives us something there. Um, Superman can go fight, you know, live wire. That's no problem for him whatsoever. He can capture live wire and turn her over to the police, but but can he stop these voices in his head? Well, not really. He has to find a way to do that, and, and he's listening to loud music to do that. Yeah. So I, I think that's interesting. And, I mean, even, you know, having Parasite and Parasite yep. as a villain, mm -hmm. I mean, he's he can't really touch Parasite. Yep. <laughs> so he's got to figure out a way, okay, how else can I stop Parasite? Uh -huh. But, you know, in this comic, that doesn't work out well for him, especially now that it seemed like, 
parasite is um, can copy himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. the The narrative here really works in this story. I think the only time that it and I'm not going to say it falls apart because it doesn't fall apart at all. But the only critique I really have of it is is at that end there where you have two people who read comics, obviously quite a bit. Um, we should kind of know what's going on. And we're, we're a little confused by this final panel. Now, maybe we're supposed to be. So I can't quite say that it's a critique, like it's a bad thing. Maybe... Maybe it should be kind of left up in the air till the next issue. I'm not too sure, but I did feel a little sideswiped with it. So, so that's the only narrative choice that I that I kind of questioned. Once we get over to the dialogue, and and here's where I'm going to really throw in my critique to the book. This one is I, I feel like all the dialogue here works and it's it's written well, and I have no critique of the way the dialogue is written or what's said. But I will say for for if I have to critique anything, it is a little too dialogue heavy. It's it's a little more than what I like. I like to kind of see more and and be told a little bit less. And it's not exposition dialogue that's that's bogging it down or anything. It's just too much dialogue, a little too much. It's not insanely heavy, but it's a little much for me. You, I don't know your thoughts on that. Um, you know, and I mean, there is a good amount of dialogue in this, and of course, you know, going to dialogue. I mean, of course, we all know by now, with you know, everybody having read Superman comics, you know what Superman's dialogue is going to be like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not going to be totally Boy Scout, but yeah. it's going to be you know, I mean, Jimmy Olsen even you know says something after you know Superman has to go to. The little boy's room. <laughs> he even says, still the Boy Scout. Yep. So, and I mean, with, uh, you know, and again, I hate to jump ahead, but, you know, going with uh, Campbell's art, mm-hmm. I don't think it had to be so dialogue heavy. Yes. But, I mean, then again, with, you know, um, Joshua Williamson mm-hmm. from the books I have read, I have noticed, you know, he does like to use, you know, more dialogue than usual or more dialogue than needed. Yeah, I I would say not that not that Joshua Williamson's not confident in storytelling. Obviously, no, no, he is. No. Um, and it really works. But but I would say, you know, again, my critique of it is is let the art do a little bit more storytelling Um and, and it's not exposition. It's not that he's trying to describe a scene or anything like that. It's not, look, look, don't get me wrong. I don't feel like I'm reading like an 80s or 90s Fantastic Four book. It's not that kind of dialogue. Um, but, or a 60s Avengers book. Well, that's a whole other story in itself. But, but I do feel like, look, you have an all-star artist on this thing with you, Joshua Williamson. You can take a back seat a little bit and let him shine too because... He really knows what he's doing with the art here. He's really telling a story with this art, and he's really nailing it. So so you can kind of take that step back and let him shine a little bit too. Uh, again, I don't feel like it's a problem per se. It's just my critique of, of what's going on here. But but I would say a little bit, you know, maybe less is more on the dialogue. Yeah. So the last part of the story here is, of course, the world building 
And we talk about the world building here in Metropolis. We're not seeing, we're not shown a whole lot of Metropolis or anything, but of course we see some events take place on the streets. We're seeing Livewire there on the streets. We're seeing the Daily Planet. We're seeing, of course, uh, LexCorp or SuperCorp now. We're seeing Parasite out on the street level with the uh, with the school bus and everything. I think that the world building was nicely done here. Uh, again, the way that they introduced these characters that we all supposedly, or, or, or sorry, we all should kind of know for the most part. Um, but the way that they introduce us to Metropolis in, in, in this in this brand new number one, I feel like they fleshed out this world well. We're not shown a whole lot of it. That would be my only other critique here. Maybe you could show a little bit more, but I also don't want it to feel like that Wasp book where it's just each panel is in a completely different part of the world. I feel like that was too much. Well, again, that's going to happen in number one. Yeah. Where, you know, they're not going to be able to show the entire world in issue number one because, I mean, it's an issue number one and they want to continue the comics, so. Sure, yeah, and, and you shouldn't. You're right. I feel like the world building works here, though. I, I do, too. I, I do feel like it works. I feel like everything that we're shown works well, even to some of the scenes with Lex Luthor in the prison uh, where he's in the cafeteria getting his food and everything. This, I, I think I said it at the head of this when we started this discussion of it. The world actually feels pretty lived in. Like I feel like, like I'm a spectator here in Metropolis, and and I feel like it's lived in and it's not a set or whatever, and it, it works well. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, props to them. They they really achieved something here with with the story. Now I want to get into the art, and that is a whole nother story. We're going to critique this on its own on the art here. As far as the characters, Bob, I'm going to let you go ahead and lead so I don't take the lead on everything. How, how did you feel about the characters here? How did you feel about Clark and Superman and, of course, Lois, Jimmy, uh, all of them, Lex Luthor? I mean, everybody by now knows what you know the characters <laughs> look like yes. and what they're supposed to look like. And... I mean, uh, Campbell does a really good job, you know, making the characters how they're supposed to look like. I mean, you know, of course, Clark Kent, you know, is Superman, but mm -hmm. just, you know, with glasses. So, <laughs> and mean, he's got a hat in this issue. So. And the hat, and the hat, and headphones. <laughs> sure. I mean, you got the mar you got the engaged couple who are about to get married. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, um, you know, they do. They're not drawn as just like background characters that you can't no, yeah. figure out what um, what is going on, which which happens with a lot of you know background mm -hmm. stuff where you know people just gloss over it. Um, you know, you see LexCorp, you know, changing into SuperCorp, yep. you know, with the big you know Superman logo, you know, because branding is key. <laughs> um, you know, and going back. Go Going back to the new chief, mm -hmm. again, I love his design. Yeah, he, he looks cool. I like those chops as well. Oh, my God. He reminds me of a character from, like, I, I can't think of what it is, but there's a Disney movie that has, like, some steampunk aspect to it. I can't remember exactly what it is. Maybe it's the Atlantis one or something like that. I think I know what you're talking <laughs> He's about. He's reminding me of a character out of whatever Disney movie that is, from here at least. Well, me, be, me being a, uh, me being a big... Uh, Sports fan. Mm -hmm. um, he seems 
the chief seems like he would be a pitcher from the 1800s. <laughs> you know, just, I mean, with that facial hair and, oh, you know, the nice. vest. Yeah. I'm assuming that's his car in the background. Yeah, that, that is a His a, car a cool definitely matches car. up with the look of the character. Yeah, so, these, I, I agree. The, there's some really cool character designs here. I think, in my personal opinion, what uh, Jamal Campbell really shines on in this issue are the villains. I really, really like the way that Livewire looks, his depiction of her, and then Parasite looks so cool. And, like, it just has this different look to Parasite, so clean and nice-looking. And then, like I said, and towards the end of the Parasite story there, they're just so cute, like all the little parasites in the background. I want one as like a plush doll or something, but they, they look fun. They're um, unassuming. Exactly. Uh, but he does great. He Look, he does great with all the characters. Jimmy Olsen looks great. Lois Lane looks fabulous. I think that I... You're, you're drawing Superman. Um, he, of course, Superman has the classic all-American look and then the barrel chest and everything. He's got all of that. Uh, but I really like the secondary characters here a lot. I think he did a fabulous job yeah. on them. And uh, again, I've said it probably 20 times already in this podcast, Jamal Campbell just really, really knows what he's doing. He really is an outstanding comic book artist and just wonderful. You even get in one panel the old school, like just circle of lines like <laughs> yep. like an older character is saying a curse word yeah so I'm, oh yeah that, i like that. that's just a great detail right there yeah that was fun um let's talk about the locations we talked a little bit about the locations in the story when we we're talking about world building so let's talk about them art wise here of course we have the street level locations we have the daily planet we have uh, just the different scenes throughout metropolis all these great skylines and everything we have the of course, the top of the Daily Planet there, which looks fabulous. Um, oh, yes. The, the Lex slash Soup Corp. Um, <laughs> all of these things. So let's talk about the locations. How do you feel? I want to harken back to the very beginning of this book, the first couple of panels where we're shown Mom and Pa's uh, farm and it's like dusk and it's just got that great light shining through or dawn or whatever it looks it looks like maybe the sun is going down i'm not sure but it looks amazing i really like the way that this looks it it, it looks so realistic but artistic at the same time the way that he depicted this first page really kind of blows my mind i like it a lot i love the colors here it's so warm and just it, it looks nice so i really really am enjoying the locations in this every location that that campbell put down just looks Great to me. Bob, you got any thoughts, anything you want to say about the locations? You know, just to add on that, I mean, like the uh, Kent Farm, you mm -hmm. know, you can see the, you know, you can make out the silo, you can see the windmill, uh -huh. I mean, like the top of the Daily Planet, you can see yep. each pane of glass <laughs> in the window. Yeah, there was nothing, I nothing mean, lazy the, in this artwork at all. Gold flaking color of mm -hmm. the side, so... I mean, everything is just done in great detail. Yeah, he definitely pulled no punches here. He he worked very hard on this. Again, we're looking at, at the the farm here, the Kent farm, and those, I'm not sure what they are, those those wheat blades or whatever, I, I don't mm -hmm. know, just mm -hmm. poking up. In front. There doesn't need to be that much detail there, and there is. And, and it doesn't look overly done either. It just looks wonderful with the fence there in the foreground and the farm in the background and everything just looks really amazing. I'm really, really 
really stoked on this art. Jamal Campbell. He does, he does some wonderful detailing. Yeah, he, he is a great artist. Let's talk about backgrounds. Kind of kind of goes along with the locations that we just talked about. But let's talk about backgrounds and something like you have it open to a splash page right now. We have, of course, automatopoeia and action shots and and, and electricity and, and, and everything flowing everywhere. Um, again, I don't know what else I can say. This looks great. It looks wonderful. It looks like the classic example of what you would want in something like this. And again, like I said about backgrounds, and, you know, everybody listening knows this because everybody listening is probably a comic book fan and has read, you know, many, many issues of comics. How many comics have we seen where... The backgrounds are ju just look unfinished mm -hmm. and just, you know, don't seem like, you know, they're done with great care. Way too many. <laughs> but in this, I mean, again, I mean, you can make out everything. I mean, every building, you know, the um, every pane of glass. I mean, you can, you can make out everything in the background in this. Yeah, I can absolutely agree with that. This is just masterfully done. This... Uh, again, you put your A team on this. You really, really kind of struck out. It, no home run. I guess struck out's bad, right? You, yes. you, you home run. I, I don't know sports analogy, sir. Um, you, you, you did a wonderful job teaming up these two. DC really, really must have thought hard about this, or maybe they didn't have to think at all. Maybe they just said, "We'll just put the two of our best on this Superman book." I don't know, but but they really nailed it. There's one, there's one page in particular. I mean, you can. You can almost make out, you know, it's not supposed to be, but you can almost make out exactly what model the cars are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would love to get some original art from Jamal Campbell and hang that up. That's That's got to be outstanding to have in front of you. I, I can't even imagine. Bob, let's talk about the colors. I don't know if we know who the colorist is in this book. It's not something I had in my notes, but, again, we're, we're always... Uh, we're always failing the colorist here and the and the uh, people who write the dialogue. I'm uh, in sorry the for listening. Yeah, so our apologies, but but let's talk about the color either way. We don't we don't have a colorist. Maybe maybe we'll just say uh, Jamal Campbell did his own colors and then run with that. But yeah, let's talk about the colors. Some I the colors pop here. They look great. They. They also have a very modern feel to them, which I think is hard for a Superman book. I think that it's hard because you're so ingrained in that 50s, 60s kind of technicolor, like pop thing, that, that pop art color that can come along with Superman, especially whenever you want to introduce somebody to Superman in an in a issue number one. But this, again, feels like those colors exist and they're... they're reflected of the light that's happening in this book there each each panel is just taken such great care of the color and shadow and everything that's going on in it um i think the colors work very very well here the palette works very well it fits with modern dc but also kind of makes me think of that old school superman vibe to it too so well, and then, you know, talking about colors, and I mean, this is this is one of my biggest things that draws me in comics. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody who can get the colors of either Dusk or Dawn yeah, just right. Exactly. And they and, do here. Oh, they do. <laughs> they do. I mean, and Dusk and Dawn, and being this as a flashback, you 
you can tell. I mean, you can tell because you have more of those gr that grainy finish on the colors. I don't mm -hmm. know if you call it sepia or or whatnot. Yeah, sepia sounds nice. <laughs> but I mean, but I, you know, it it's grainy, a grainier look without being you know too grainy, if that makes any sense. Yes, definitely. It's grainy, but it still has this nice smooth texture to it yes it still just works really really well i don't know I, I i struggle to find any way to critique this art at all it's very hard for me i i really struggled to to find any way to critique the story as you could tell but I, I found a couple of things but the art here is just i can't <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing for me to say um it's just so every aspect of it is so nicely done um, I'm, I'm really impressed with it. I think we're going to go ahead and stop gushing and get on to the most important question about this book. Bob, will you continue on, continue on to issue number two? Continue. Uh, that is trademarked, cop, copyright, uh, <laughs> all new, all different, number one, Comics Podcast 2023. Will you continue on to issue number two? They, they hooked me on this. I mean, I haven't read a Superman comic in a long time. Yes. So mm -hmm. I think... You know, just that, I would continue. But, I mean, they hooked me not only with the art, but, you know, of course, uh, number one, I love a good cliffhanger. Yeah, that I agree with you. Every Everything, uh, every aspect of this book, the journey along the way, makes me want to read issue number two as far as the beads, mm -hmm. the everything here. Uh, just to know the next thing that, that Joshua Williamson wrote in the story and, and all of that to understand what's happening with, with Lex Luthor, with, with Super Corp, with uh, even even something as simple as Jimmy Olsen's new girlfriend. I want to know more about her. I want to know what's going to happen. But that cliffhanger, the way that this issue ended, I have to know what's going to happen next. Like, sign me up for issue number two. This is going on my pool. Absolutely. I'm calling the LCS and... Uh, yeah, we're going to make this happen. And of course, you know, with Lex Luthor, when he eventually does break out of prison, <laughs> because it's Lex Luthor, you know that whole super corp has to have an ulterior motive. You would think so, I, I would imagine. Just because of who it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, I, that's that's a, a big thumbs up from Bob and I. We're both continuing on to issue number two, and we can't wait to see it. All I can say is... If for some odd reason you're listening, uh, Joshua Williamson or Jamal Campbell or DC Comics in general, you have knocked this one out of the park. You really made something happen with Superman number one that, that I didn't foresee. Whenever we decided to do this book, again, Bob and I thought, when will we get a chance again to do a Superman number one? So that's mm -hmm. why we took it. Not because we thought it was going to be good. And they really impressed both of us with this book. Yeah, I got to say, I was on the fence about it, too, because our thinking was, when is the next time we're going to get to do a first issue <laughs> exactly. Superman? But at the same time, I was thinking, it's Superman. So, I mean, how good is it? We're talking about a character with barely any weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how good exactly is it going to be? Yep. And, and they, I don't know, I, I can't say they achieved the impossible because... As we've said, it, it's possible to make a good DC, or, or sorry, a, a good <laughs> Superman story. It's very of, tough. Of course, look, you have the, uh, what is it called? Now I can't think of the name. Is, is it Superman the Atomic Age? Is that the name of the the current book that, that Mike Allred's illustrating over at DC? I, I think it's something like that. 
But that book's really good too. Of course, you have stuff like All Star Superman, really good. Um, there's a lot of, of good Superman stories out there. But to be honest with you, out of every single issue I've read of Superman, and I'm talking single issues here, this is probably the best that I can think of in, 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 in all memory. So awesome, awesome job on this one. I think this is probably going to be our highest rated book yet. Um, that I can think of. Of course, we're not measuring these in any tangible way other than saying, will we continue on to issue number two? But just judging by our reactions here, I think this is probably in the top tier of books that we have discussed so far. So with that being said, we appreciate you guys checking out our discussion of it, and we'll be right back. We are back with the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast, Bob's going to go over some books that are coming out next week in your local comic book shops, virtually and physically. And if you don't know by now, this is a great opportunity to hear about some books that you may not have been on your radar or maybe you weren't interested in before that you can go ahead and get a hold of your local comic book shop. Make sure that they reserve you a copy, add it to your pool so that way you do not miss out. Bob, what do we got coming out next week? And before before I get into this, just to let you know, I pull from the Key Collectors app. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this isn't the entire list of books that are coming out. Sure. So, I mean, please feel free to, you know, um, consult with other, you know, websites and stuff like that. Sure, these just are, some these are, Yeah, these are just a few of them. <laughs> From Scout Comics, we have Banshees Number 1. The synopsis reads, A college freshman discovers the terrible history of her dormitory and becomes obsessed in discovering the truth about the lion, a serial killer that stalked her college campus for nearly a decade. That actually sounds wicked cool. I'm pretty excited to pick that up. That's called Banshees Number 1? Yes. Ah, sounds like a cool book. From... Image Comics, we have Phantom Road number one. The synopsis reads, A car wreck reveals a strange artifact that sends two truckers into a surreal world where they are pursued by strange and impossible monsters. Sounding equally interesting. Maybe not as quite interesting as Banshees, because Banshees, I'm sold on that right now, but that sounds cool too. From AWA Upshot... That's a mouthful. <laughs> Artist and Writers something association? I don't know. Yeah. We have Red Zone number one. Mm-hmm. An American professor is tasked by the government for a secret international mission back to Russia where his long buried secrets are revealed, forcing him to fight his way out of the country utilizing a particular set of skills. They're brave right now doing a book about Russia. I'll, I'll give them that. They're very brave, <laughs> and it, it sounds like Taken 4, mm-hmm. <laughs> if anybody remembers that series of movies. We have, from Dark Horse Comics, Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures, Jedi Quest Number 1, which has a couple of first appearances, a... Legendary Jedi Knight named Barnabas Vim and a Padawan named Bly. Always a great, great idea to pick up those Star Wars first appearances. Yes. yes. You really can't go wrong. 
from also from Dark Horse Comics, we have Skull and Bones Savage Storm number one. It's a three issue limited series based on the Ubisoft Ubisoft video game. Please correct me if it's <laughs> Ubisoft or Ubisoft. I, I I would go Ubisoft, but I also don't know how to read. So and I've I've never heard of that particular <laughs> video game either. From DC Comics, we have Detective Comics number 1069. We'll never be doing a review of that comic. No, I don't think so. Unless they get a new number one. Yes. <laughs> From Marvel Comics, we have X-Force number 38, where it's the first appearance of the Omni-Mutant, a Frankenstein-like creature comprised of X-Men characters. That sounds amazing. I, I can't lie. I'm excited about that. And just looking at the, um, you know, uh, cover art, you know, it looks like there's part of Deadpool's torso with Beast's leg, with, <laughs> you know, Cable's arm, with Wolverine's arm. So, yeah, it it looks, it looks very crazy. Um... Also from Marvel Comics, we have Murder World Game Over number one, which is the final issue of the Murder World crossover, which I have not read. The conclusion. Oh, it's been fun, Bob. I can't believe you haven't read it. Again, from Marvel Comics, we have Spider-Man Unforgiven number one, a one-shot crossover with X-Men Unforgiven and Captain America Unforgiven in a Vampire Story trilogy. Ooh. Hey, sign me up. Any vampire stuff going on at Marvel, I'm there for. And this this sounds very interesting to me. Oh, again, from Marvel Comics. I am Iron Man number one. Standalone stories with each issue that explore a different era of Iron Man. Huh. It It, it sounds like a very interesting premise just going from, you know... The beginning Iron Man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to, you know, I guess, you know, the 70s Iron Man, yep. the 80s Iron Man, 90s Iron Man, 2000s, 2010s. Um, from Scout Comics, we have Junction Jones number one. In a multi-dimensional town, two scavengers discover a dead earth hobo whose body shows evidence of a government cover-up. But before they can escape without notice, a suspicious maintenance team arrives on the scene looking for the same body. Huh. Sounds like it could be creepy and and have a nice dark tone to it. Sounds fun. Um, From Scout Comics, we have Dead Fellows number one, which... um, Rescued from suicide by a benevolent spirit, a man sets out to bond with this ghost at all costs, but he quickly learns he doesn't understand the paranormal or their intentions. Hmm. Very interesting. From Mad Cave, we have Hunt, Kill, Repeat. That's an interesting (laughs) name. A decade after the Greek gods invaded Earth and enslaved humanity, the goddess Artemis seeks revenge against her father Zeus, whose ideology she defied and was punished by being stripped of everything she ever loved. So it, it deals That's a with, little intense. <laughs> it deals with mythology. Could be interesting. Yes. 
Um, from Dynamite Comics, we have Bar Barbarella, the center cannot hold number one. Barbarella embarks on a desperate quest to find and convince the hidden guides of the galaxy, the architects that war with the unnameable will spell the death of every living thing. From Marvel Comics, we have Cosmic Ghost Rider number one, which <laughs> is the first solo Cosmic Ghost Rider series. Uh, then we also have Spider-Gwen, Shadow Clones number one, the first appearance of a Gwen Stacy Dr. Octopus villain. Yes, sign me up. I'm there. Hey, anything with Spider-Gwen or Ghost Spider or whatever we're calling her now, I'm there for. From DC Comics, we have DC RWBY number one. Ruby, sure. It's like an anime or something. Premier issue of a seven-issue limited series. Back to Marvel, we have Hallow's Eve number one. Man, I'm excited about this one. I don't know if you read that, I, what was it, ASM 14, where Hallow's Eve was introduced. I really love the character so far. She's really cool, and I'm excited she's getting a solo series. Yes. <laughs> then from DC Comics, we have Shazam! Fury of the Gods special. Shazamly Matters number one. There's a <laughs> title. Yeah. Which is a 96-page, very long comic, one-shot anthology of stories written by actors who portray the characters in the Shazam movie, including Zachary Levi. They didn't have to name him specifically, <laughs> since they said the actors who portray the characters, so that one was given. Yeah, you, you would think. Bob, let me rate your excitement level for that one. As a fan of the movie Shazam that you were... Is that something you're planning on picking up? Is that something that sounds interesting to you? I don't, 96 pages is quite a lot to digest, um, and, and I'm not a fan of Shazam, so I'll definitely be skipping it. But 90 and 96 pages <laughs> is definitely quite a lot to digest. And the fact that it's written by actors, mm -hmm. uh, I've read I've read stuff written by actors, <laughs> and it can be it can be very hit or miss. Sure. And 96 pages, you lost me at 96 pages. I heard. That's, that's quite a lot. Um, from Comics Experience Publishing, we have Sereno number one. From Aftershock, we have All Night and Every Day number one. Um, and that's it for the books uh, this week from Key Collectors. Awesome. So those are some books that are coming out next week. You should definitely, if any of those sound interesting to you, like that Banshee's number one, which sounds interesting as hell to me, make sure you get a hold of your local comic book shop and ask them to reserve a copy for your pool. Guys, I also really quick want to make a, uh, again, a quick announcement. Of course, we had Tony from, or, sorry, Tony Franklin on from the Crim Sisters uh, Kickstarter an episode back, two episodes back, what, I, I can't even remember now. Two episodes back, I'm going to go, maybe, I don't know, I don't remember. Either way, we had him on the show, really cool guy, promoting a really cool book. His Kickstarter is live now, so we ask that you please go over to kickstarter.com and check out the Crim Sisters book one, Escape from Suburbium. I, I, I wouldn't be able to sell it. Yes, it please donate so this book will get made. <laughs> yeah, please donate. Tony and, and his 
artists are only looking for $4,000 to back the project. Um, they're currently sitting at, of course, it, it just went live, so it's only been up for one day now, but they're at $471, so they've got quite a bit more to go. So make sure you jump on and back this project, even if you can just back it at its lowest level. Please hop on and make sure you back that. Bob and I were privileged enough to be able to check out the, the first issue of the book, and it is outstanding. You're going to get 44 pages of this book because they wanted to make a nice double-sized issue. And it's it's just, it's awesome. You're definitely going to want to check that out. Again, that is Crim Sisters, book one on kickstarter.com. Make sure you check that out because it is a sci-fi kick in the cul-de-sac. <laughs> That's their tagline, so I had to go with that. <laughs> exactly. Give me a rim shot. Thank you. That is it for our review of Superman number one, or rather our discussion of Superman number one and our episode this week. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, checking out episode number seven. Again, please send us some, uh, I, I, I don't know what you call it, uh, good vibes. Make sure you uh, review us on whatever podcatcher you're listening on, whether that be a proper podcatcher or YouTube. Please make sure you give us that five-star review because it really helps the alg algorithm push us up to the top and helps us put out more content. We do a giveaway each and every week. All you have to do is use your social media of choice and use the hashtag all new, all different nation. You'll be entered in our giveaway where you can receive a copy of the book that we talked about. And before we get into any of that, we're going to announce the book that we're doing next week, which is Bob Say. Next week we are doing from Marvel Comics, Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one. Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one. Sounds like a whole hell of a lot of fun. Uh, again, please make sure you check us out on social media. We are at Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. We're at Twitter at A-N-A-D-N-O comic pod and TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod you can also check us out at YouTube under the comic book channel. And again, I'll say it one last time. Be sure to use that hashtag, all new, all different nation. You will get a free comic book in the mail. You don't have to do anything but use that hashtag and we will randomly select a winner and mail the comic to you free of charge. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. sure what they are those those wheat blades or whatever i, I don't mm -hmm. know just mm -hmm. poking up in front there doesn't need to be that much detail there and there is. i'm not sure what they are those those wheat blades or whatever i, I don't mm -hmm. know just mm -hmm. poking up in front there doesn't need to be that much detail there and there is. i'm not sure what they are those those wheat blades or whatever i, I don't mm -hmm. know just mm -hmm. poking up and there doesn't need to be that much detail there. And there is. I'm not sure what they are, those those wheat blades or whatever. I, I don't mm -hmm. know, just mm -hmm. poking up in front. There doesn't need to be that much detail there. And there is. I'm not sure what they are, those those wheat blades or whatever. I, I don't mm -hmm. know, just mm -hmm. poking up in front. There doesn't need to be that much detail there. And Aww.